0: Care to turn in your Bibles to 2 John. A couple of verses here I would like to think with you about as we enter into the message this morning. <clears throat> Perhaps we could um, look at the section here, latter part of the The letter is, in verse 7 through 11, is titled, Warning About Deceivers Against Deceivers. But um, in verses 9, in particular, I want to think about what it's saying there, but I'll begin reading in verse 8. Look to yourselves that we lose not those things which we have wrought, but that we receive a full reward. Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both the Father and the Son. If there come any unto you and bring not this doctrine, receive him not in your house, neither bid him Godspeed. For he that biddeth him Godspeed is partaker of his evil deeds. Some very sobering words in the sense that we're reminded that those that are of God um, are those that abide in the doctrine of Christ. And he's saying, be careful, be vigilant, be cautious. And um, I don't know how about you all this morning, but I think that if we would sit down and discuss it, we all would realize that it is a challenge for us to to continue uh, in diligence and vigilance to pursue the purity of the doctrine of Christ that we truly be found in Him this day in which we live. We live in a land of freedom and uh, in other places in the world there are less freedoms and perhaps more control of what can be promoted and held forth and shared. But John writes these words, whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. So for those of us that are serious about our relationship, our faithfulness to God, those are words that cause us to think seriously about what is involved in in knowing and to understand and to pursue the doctrine of Christ. Last week I referred to the passage there where Paul proclaimed that I might know him. He goes on to enumerate several areas. The power of the resurrection, the fellowship of his suffering, that process of being made conformable unto his death, This morning for the message I would like to to look at some of the characteristics or marks of the Pilgrim Church. Uh, We we feel like we want to be careful in our pursuit of Christ and as we live it out in the lives of our families, of our people, our churches. that we acknowledge that we are striving to be a part of the Bride of Christ, a part of walking under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And if I were to give you each a piece of paper this morning to write down five or ten things that you note in the world around us that we are sphere of relationships and interactions that present challenges for us for the pilgrim church what would you write on that list things that perhaps very notably or subtly work against our ability to maintain to understand to maintain and to to move forward in the doctrine of Christ. Not sure what you're thinking about, but I think you're thinking. What are those things that have come into our, uh, perhaps um, we live in a day and age of, of digital technology quite a lot and yet, uh, I'll go back to more of the uh, print elements for some illustrations, perhaps. But what are those things that have brought influence into your life, into my life, into our homes, into the homes of our churches? You know, we've, we understand the potential danger of, of different literature different types of reading and that kind of thing. But what is the effect of of other publications that are promoting the gospel of Christ as it were, and yet they're not holding true to the doctrine of Christ? What impact is the guidepost in your life. What has it been? Or other perhaps devotional books, which quite a lot of are authored by well meaning individuals, quite often, uh, ladies. Uh, You could go on in your own thought process and make other uh, applications to what I'm alluding to, but thinking with you this morning about the fact that when we are encouraged and realized that we must stay true by the word, we do well to consider those things in society today that are even uh, commingled into what is called Christianity and yet is not a part of the doctrine of Christ that we need to uh, be aware of and be careful how we are affected by it. <clears throat> Most, if not all, of those writers I referred to or the the thought process in many of those publications and others um are often based on a great extent of reformed theology of things that came to be along the way that were not a part of the doctrine of Christ and so um, we in our desire we, we want to practice as a pilgrim church faithful and true as strangers and pilgrims here to the doctrine of Christ, and yet we're affected by the thoughts and the process that went into the thinking of of Augustine and and, um, others through the time of the Reformation. And you might think, well, to some of you that means more than to others perhaps, but It has a distinct impact on what we understand, the call upon our lives, the call upon what we are to be as the people of God, the church, the bride of Christ. um, And how we contrast what results from careful study of the scripture and application of it to compared to an Application of other principles that allow for, for the grace of God to be administered by other means than the teaching of Christ. Um, perhaps we'll get into more of that later or another time. But one thing I want to be careful in as we think about this this morning, sometimes as we consider that which denotes or marks of the Pilgrim Church, based on the doctrine of Christ, it is easy for us to to begin to make comparisons and perhaps judgments. And in doing that, I want to be careful, because even in the best of our intentions, we are limited in our understandings. We don't always have it figured out completely. And so we go back to the word we go back to the Lord to speak to us to minister to us to to wash us to help us to understand wherein there might be that that wayward direction in our lives let's go over to Hebrews chapter 11. Before we read these verses here, we brought some copies of papers here this morning for other purposes, but if I would have brought additional replicas of a sign that you could post in front of your house by the road that said, a pilgrim lives here. Think that'd look good in front of your house, Lord? A pilgrim lives here. What would it mean? What would it mean to you? What would it mean to me? What it, would it mean to others? In reality, and as a part of the body of Christ, there is a sense in which we are doing that, I trust that there can be, uh, even in spite of our imperfections, that underlying clear evidence that we with Abraham are seeking another country. I want to read verses here from 9 through 13 in Hebrews 11. By faith he sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations whose builder and maker is God. Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore sprang there even of one And him as good as dead, so many as the stars of the sky in multitude and in the sands as and as the sand which is by the seashore innumerable The effect of the faith of Abraham. And others that are noted here. But notice what it goes on to say. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off. And were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. A pilgrim lives here. A pilgrim, a stranger and pilgrim, someone in a location for a time with a further goal, with a further vision. There was a brief discussion in Sunday school this morning about the passing of time and life and how easy it is to, to think with life's issues and challenges how, how much better it would be to, to be with the Lord. Yes, that was the goal, but with the saints of old, as with, as, just as we are called today, we are called to pursue and move forward by faith, and manifest the marks of the Pilgrim Church. I want to look at a number of things that denote that this morning that help us understand what differentiates the true church of God versus um, others that are not clearly abiding in the doctrine of Christ. First Peter has a different perspective, same concept but a different perspective, I want to read some verses from there in chapter 2. This is from the other perspective, but here we have the verses, very familiar passage regarding God's chosen people, but notice what he says here, beginning in verse 9. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lust, which war against the soul, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers... They may, by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. Here he addresses the people of God as a special people, a redeemed people. The King James uses that word peculiar, but it is not peculiar in the sense of some weird person that cannot be understood, but that one that god has redeemed and brought forth and is showing himself strong on their behalf notice down in verse 12 he talks about having your conversation honest or your conduct is oftentimes the use of of that word here in the new testament um, amongst the gentiles as strangers and pilgrims one of the marks that um has to do with, uh, this is not one I had delineated by itself, but I want to bring it out here in, the, in light of this passage, um, is that there is that contrast, and we, that, that duty and challenge of us seeking to abide in the doctrine of Christ, to portray ourselves um, on the merits of his shed blood, and, and um, not in our own strength but by His grace and power to walk in Him, and doing it in a way that while we may face opposition, while we may face elements of uh, others standing against us, I had to think about many times through history, and there's been a lot of illustrations that could be given, but in times, uh, nations and cultures where there were indigenous groups, um, there's been a lot of that through the ages of those, the conquering powers going in and, and seeking to squash and to, to conform those inhabitants of that area to their rule, to their religion. And that's one of the outworkings of uh, some of that, Constantinian uh, mindset, perhaps we'll touch on a little bit later at another time. But more recently even, I noticed that in the news there were articles about some unfortunate things that occurred in Canada regarding how the government there had worked with um, the indigenous people, and they were not at war with them, but they were in a very real way, attempting to to convert them out of their tribal system into the normal uh, what they consider the normal train of thought, to to make them uh, accomplish what they had in mind for them, um, and they did that many times by uh, encouraging. I'm not sure if some of them were by the government, but others were encouraged by religious groups to go in and set up these residence schools where the young people would be taken from their tribal area where they would go and live in these residences and be schooled there, apart from the influence of their tribal elders and their families. Thereby, the government was seeking to somewhat covertly change their thought pattern, their process, their understanding, their philosophy of life and to bring them into compliance with what was more acceptable. And so in that, this came to light more fully by some of the abuses and things that came out of it, but it helps us to understand that there is a parallel we can draw that as strangers and pilgrims, there will be those that are working against. Uh, our our desire to to stay firm and pure and clear on the doctrine of Christ and that will seek to to have us embrace and to consider and slowly adapt to some other forms of thinking and doctrine that do not keep us there where Christ wants us to to be, where we are called to be. So he says, keep your conversation, your conduct honest among the Gentiles. Stay true to your commitment to God, to your understanding of the scriptures, to your your, uh, relationship with God through Christ, the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And even though they may ridicule you and mistreat you, Let them know that what you do is without blame. What does it mean to be a stranger and a pilgrim? You know, I I gave the illustration of putting a sign out by your house. And uh, we could say, well, perhaps certain houses might accommodate a sign like that a little more easily. Would that be a fair assessment? In other words, if you take a a modest home versus a great mansion and you put the same sign in front, what would the thought process be comparing the two? We would probably have some questions to talk about, to think through. But it's important for us to realize that we, like others, are not without uh, the potential to lose sight of what we are called to, to to be faithful to the doctrine of Christ in our pilgrimage here. Um, You can go to the Old Testament, and there were those that were close to Abram. Lot was one that, at one time, there was a sense in which he was a pilgrim. And yet the time came in which he drew nigh unto Sodom. And he found himself in a place of comfort. And he fit in and he adapted and he became part of the system there. Uh, I believe it refers to that he sat in the gate and found himself involved in things there in that society. And um, it was, even though he was, could have been considered a pilgrim to, to a significant extent with Abram, The time came when one could say he would have ceased to do so. He left off from his endeavor. He quit. What is the difference for the pilgrim church in Revelation? I won't take time to look there, but in chapters 2 and 3, if you look at the letters to the churches, there is a contrast to the letter to Smyrna, the church of Smyrna and the church of Laodicea. The one, he writes, thou art rich. That's, those words are following the words, I know that you are poor and needy, but thou art rich. Are we rich in the things that God calls riches? Yes, I want to take the time to go there. I want to read part of the words to the church at Laodicea. Chapter 3, verse 14 and following. These words, they, they um, grip me quite a bit because, you know, j- just listen to them as we read them here together. I know that works. Verse 15, I know that works that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou wert cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire and that thou mayest be rich and white white raiment, that thou may mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with eyesalve that thou mayest see." Here we have not only the comparison between these two churches, but we also have the realization that it is possible for us to not see our blindness and our wretchedness and our waywardness. but rather be convinced that we have it all in order, that we have it all down. But Christ said, and knowest not that thou art wretched. So as we pursue the doctrine of Christ, we need to do it in humility, realizing that we need the leading of his spirit to reveal to us the realities of truth as it applies to my life and yours. This morning there was some discussion that ties into what I want to say next and that is the potential for us to Look to those around us that we think will likely tell us what we like to hear. But I ask myself this morning, and I ask you as well, are we not secure enough in our relationship and our commitment to Christ to be exhorted, to be challenged, to be provoked to think? Am I traveling the path of life that truly denotes that sign a pilgrim lives here? If we surround ourselves with those that do not have the pilgrim mindset, we can easily lose the clear vision of God's call upon our hearts and lives. I invite you to the Gospel of John seventeen. to read in verse 11 and following probably the longest prayer of Christ recorded in the scriptures that we have here here he is praying to his father and he says in verse 11 and now I am no more in the world but these are in the world and I come to thee holy father keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me that they may be one as we are While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me, I have kept, and none of them is lost but the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. And now I come to thee, and these things I speak in the world, that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them, because they are not to the world, even as I am not to the world. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Thy word is truth. The word of God is that which teaches us and leads us in the paths of the doctrine of Christ. I was blessed as I read verse 13 again. And now I come to thee and these things I speak in the world that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. says in another place, Jesus, for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. What is my experience regarding joy? From where do I derive it? Where does it come from? And on what is it based? Like to move in this passage into a couple of areas that we can note as marks of the pilgrim church. Here in verse 14, the last part of this verse. He says, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. The Pilgrim Church is in, but not of the world. And so, while we move around in life, we will have a keen awareness of where we are, but also for what purpose we are there. Light and darkness does not mix. To be a child of God, to be a Christian signifies to be one that is anointed with what? I was blessed again as we often think about the verses that assure us of that which takes place in a new birth but in the Greek the actual words for to be born again is to be born from above. And that helps us to understand too, it's not, it's the mindset of God is to come into our heart and life and to pervade and to take up residence and to minister to our needs. So we are in but not of the world. We are not just a follower of Christ. You see this in in, um, just human relationships. Perhaps you've caught yourself being fascinated with someone. Someone you've thought as a young person or wherever you are in life that you wanted to be like them, to accomplish what they've accomplished. To look like they look, to dress like they dress, and I've seen people in that situation; they are mesmerized by what their goal is, and it can be observed in those that they're they're uh, adoring the the adornment of that other person, whatever it may be, outward or inward. But as we, as the Pilgrim Church, are not to just be a follower of Christ, but beyond that, seeking to be like him. My mind went to that hymn that's not in our books here this morning, as I've been told. But, um, oh, to be like thee, blessed Redeemer. How, How much do we really mean that when we sing it? Do you really think about what you're singing? another hymn in, in our church hymnal here that I'll just share these lyrics with you. Draw thou my soul o Christ closer to thine breathe into every wish thy will divine. Raise my low self above one by thy deathless love. Ever O Christ through mine let thy life shine. He embraces the thoughts there. Of Paul in writing there. Yet I live, not I, but Christ liveth in me. Second verse, lead forth my soul, O Christ, one with thine own, joyful to follow thee through paths unknown. In thee my strength renew, give me thy work to do. Through me thy truth be shown, thy love made known. Not for myself alone may my prayer be. Lift thou my, thy word, world, O Christ, closer to thee. Cleanse from its guilt and wrong, teach its salvation song, till earth as heaven fulfill God's holy will. See elements of a pilgrim expressed in those words. And yet, sometimes in the terminologies used in the world around us to denote that which means to be a Christian, are fairly superficial. They do not reach to the depths of the doctrine of Christ. Secondly, I would note that a mark of the pilgrim church is that faith is mixed with what we hear. I won't take the time to turn there. A couple more points I want to make here. But Hebrews 4, 2, we have that scripture that reminds us that it is not just a matter of hearing the good news. It is a matter of commingling that knowledge of God, of his salvation with faith. And I had to think about, uh, many of you all have used a two-part cement or something, but it's those two components will not do their job until that activating agent is is mixed in and the process begins and such is it, it, it such is it in our lives that we can begin to know about god but it's only when we the exercise of our faith takes that knowledge and applies it in that growth that that um, birth takes place and that we are raised up and, and born from above, as I referred to earlier. See, one of the, one of the follies that came through uh, following the early 300s A.D. when Constantine implemented the church and state and and different concepts that were not based on the doctrine of Christ was that one could be a part of the church, be a child of God, a part of something, and yet within that person there would be no life, no life of the spirit. It was, it could take different forms, but it made one by virtue of territorial location or what have, the, have you, were the criteria at that point. But for the Pilgrim Church, by grace through faith, that activating agent of faith, allowing God's grace to to be taken in and to indwell us and to make us what he wants us to be. Other scriptures that show the transformation of that life, we won't take the time for this morning, but there are many alluded to. Thirdly, a mark of the pilgrim church is that Christ's kingdom is not of this world. You can turn to John eighteen thirty six. There'll be a couple of most of the remaining thoughts I want to bring out of this this passage here. Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from hence. Jesus portrayed that contrast of, of his kingdom not being a part of the world rule perspective. The Contrast of, of light and darkness. The effect of being the salt of the earth. The pilgrim church are those who Jesus spoke of in, in uh, Luke 6. There and talking about that. He talked about his disciples and he said, His disciples are those that become like him. It is not enough merely to learn about the Lord Jesus Christ, but to become like him. Oh, to be like thee. A disciple is truly one who wants to be like Jesus. Another mark of the Pilgrim Church. He says here in this verse. Is that his servants don't fight. And yet. As I said earlier. You know. We need to consider carefully. Our perspectives and. And thoughts regarding others. How often do we come short. In our fighting. We would never think to fight in certain respects, and yet it's possible that we can fight. Just bring up the right subject. Ask the right thing. Make the right request, and we can almost come to have fighting words. And we realize in that we err. In that is not the doctrine of Christ We bear forth actions that betray our self will. Nothing new to the human nature for us to battle for truth. Back through the ages, there were those that fought fervently for truth, and yet they commingled their own desires and perspectives and erred from the purity of the doctrine of Christ. They even referred to it as holy war. I was blessed as I thought about this mark of the Pilgrim Church. God's servants don't fight. The examples of the joy of humility And finding our way together, Um, we're running out of time here this morning. I could share some illustrations from, from working through decisions in conference or committee settings. My mind went back to the example there in the early church in Jerusalem in Acts that brought about such blessing and, and uh, peace in their hearts as they worked through issues. I had to think, what about current issues in our churches today, in our congregations today? Do we bear the mark of the Pilgrim Church? The last point I would like to share with you is from this scripture as well. The mark of the pilgrim church does not embrace the sword of the land in which they dwell. Perhaps this is one of the more vivid examples of the changes through the ages that have affected the doctrine of Christ and its purity in the land in which we live. There are many that would say we live in a Christian nation. But by what definition of the doctrine of Christ? Sometimes we live in our own little worlds, our own little areas, Our neighborhoods, our families, our cultures, and yet when in reality you seek to bear the gospel message of love, you see the folly of all those barriers. You see the folly of those delineations and the many times in which those seeking to do the right thing have fallen behind those that stood in front of them for protection. In In all fairness, and I'd like to look more in depth at that another time, but during the Reformation, there were those that, like Luther and Zwingli and others, that caught a glimpse of what it meant to understand the doctrine of Christ more clearly, and yet with time they failed to maintain their perspective, their stand, and they slipped back into that position of, of enjoying the protection of the state to keep their back, to guard their back, to protect them. But in reality, the Pilgrim Church, all through the ages, has been a small segment of society where they were, where they are. And the greater picture of following the birth of that which commingled, if you will, or brought forth a hybrid approach to the Church of Jesus Christ affects us quite much today, dear ones. Yes, we're beyond the age of a territorial church in many respects, some places. But there are many aspects of that concept that still rule and reign. In this land, there are many that would propose church and state being separate following the results of that which took place there and following the Reformation. And yet, many would uphold the idea of while we are Christians, there is much more we should be doing, all we can, in on behalf of, and in partaking of, and contributing to the function of government. If you go back to, and I'll leave that for another time, but I just want to illustrate this by a few things that, as I ponder these points and this concept, things that came to my mind, how we're affected so easily at times. For many of us here, not to the oldest generation, I recall being in Puerto Rico in the 1990s late, early 90s, there when the Gulf War came to be, the Iraqi War with Iraq, and as one would hear bits and pieces of the news that was, what was taking place, I wondered to myself, and I asked myself, how many times was I tempted to be smug and quite content to be a citizen of a conquering nation. From that time forth, I purposed to begin to understand that it was wrong for me to say our army did this our armed forces did that another big blip on the radar of, of history how did you feel Dear ones, when you heard that the government eliminated Osama bin Laden, how did I feel? remember walking home walking back from the church where our eldest son was attending in North Carolina one day on Sunday a big church huge church there that morning they had dedicated a number of young children along with the dedication of those children was the blessing of their fathers who all happened to be soldiers heading back to the warfront as we were walking back my son asked me dad what did you think this morning It took a few steps to come up with an answer. As we stepped along, I said, my blood is not more special than Osama bin Laden's. The Pilgrim Church, what is the mark? can bring it closer home how do you feel about the level or lack of border control we have feelings don't we i do are they one and the same as the doctrine of christ The marks of the Pilgrim Church are ones that rest in Him for our every need. I was reminded again of the impact of that a few years ago in Puerto Rico when I was there during the hurricane, arriving at the airport there the other day before that hurricane I was astonished that almost everyone there at the airport was carrying a gun. I thought, well, that's partly to be understood with an impending emergency. But in the coming days, it was very, very common to see people, whoever had them was carrying them. And whom do you trust and whom do we trust? I trust this morning, our goal, our desire is to bear the marks of the Pilgrim Church. Let me read those verses again from Second Peter. Second John pardon me, second John. Look to yourselves that we lose not those things which we have wrought, but that we receive a full reward. Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both the Father and the Son. May we be content? to have the Father and the Son.